Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, for some of you that are new at the faith, you're like, are you kidding me? Are you telling me there's some kind of a war going on? Yes, there's a spiritual war. It's invisible, but it's a spiritual war. And the moment you and I become a believer, those three enemies are out to defeat one thing going forward. You see, if I'm stagnant, I'll be useless for God. If I produce no fruit, I'll be useless for God. If I live in the past, he loves it. We are told in many ways that the only things that are important are the physical, what we can see, hear, taste, and touch. Anything else is either non-existent or unimportant. When we choose to follow Jesus, our eyes become open to a whole other reality. We find out that there is an unseen world where God dwells, as well as our enemy. Pastor Mark is teaching that when we become servants of God, we are automatically enlisted in a war with forces unseen but effective. We'll be learning exactly who our opposition is and how to live our lives in such a way that we can be victorious over them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part 2 of his message, Straining Forward into My Future. Now, I want you to listen to the statement. This is a very powerful statement, and it has so many applications. When God came to live in your life, when you became a believer, you know, he comes to live inside of us. What do you think he was going to do inside you? Do you think I was just going to come and go, if you ever want to talk to me, I'm here. Or do you think God had a plan, what he wanted to do? Sometimes we don't understand it. And C.S. Lewis says it so powerfully. Listen, when I invited Jesus into my life, I thought he was going to put up some wallpaper, hang a few pictures. Well, I'm home now. Here, Hi. But he said this. But I discovered he started knocking out walls and adding rooms. I said I was expecting a nice cottage. But he said I'm making a palace in which to live. You see, when God came in you, he didn't come in you just to go, have a nice life, bomber. Enjoy it. No, he started knocking down walls. He expanded my life. He changed all kinds of things in my life. He wanted to make me move forward and be more like him. I'm not the exception. All of us are the same. So this teaching this morning is going to knock some walls down. It's going to challenge you to quit looking in the mirror backward and go forward. So get ready. 
put on your seatbelt. We're going to go forward. He said, well, I don't like it. Too bad you're already here. We're going forward. All right. Now, when you think about that, what does that mean? Remember, the second key was, there's a key word, straining. What's the original word, straining? In the original language, it means straining or stretching. Same word. Paul says, I have to stretch or strain forward. That automatically says to my mind, "Uh uh-oh, there's going to be continued effort. There's going to be some hard work. You see, we don't become spiritually mature by osmosis. Well, I've been in church 40 out of 52 times. I'm mature this year. No, we do it by, say it with me, we strain. We strain. Say it again. We stretch. Any of you that start an exercise plan, when you go there and you have a trainer, and he stretches you, you want to what? Kick him in the head. That hurts. Cut it out. My leg doesn't do that. But over time, what happens? More flexible. Well, I'm going to strain you today. Smile for Jesus, would you? All right. Now, look at me. This is very important. Why the word strain? Why does there have to be hard work with it? Come on. I mean, God's God. Why can't it just be easy? Here's why. You don't need to write this down, but you need to understand. There's two kingdoms in this world. Kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. We have, before you become a believer, you're in the kingdom of Satan. Before you accept Jesus Christ, you're in the kingdom of Satan. And if you don't do anything about it, you're going to be dead in your sins. And you're going to spend eternity with Satan in hell, separated from God forever. Two kingdoms. There's not three. There's not eight. There's two. The minute I asked Jesus Christ to have him forgive me my sins, I'm entering into the kingdom of God, and he comes to live in me, like we just said. Now, the minute I do that, understand, I now have three enemies against me instantly. Over here before, Satan's not against me. I'm already in his kingdom. He just leaves me alone. But the minute you become a believer, you have three enemies against you. The world, I'll talk to you about that this morning, the world system. Number two, my flesh, my old nature that wants to do life without God. And number three, Satan himself and his demons. Now, for some of you that are new at the faith, you're like, are you kidding me? Are you telling me there's some kind of a war going on? Yes, there's a spiritual war. It's invisible, but it's a spiritual war. And the moment you and I become a believer, those three enemies are out to defeat one thing going forward. You see, if I'm stagnant, I'll be useless for God. If I produce no fruit, I'll be useless for God. If I live in the past, ah, he loves it. I'll never be useful living in the past. But if I'm going to go forward, I have to strain. Why do I have to strain? Because there's three enemies against me trying to keep me from doing it. So we're going to talk how to defeat those enemy this morning. It'll be powerful for you as you and I listen. Every single day, we contend with these three powerful enemies. Number one, the world. What is the world? First thing you can write down is this. We strain forward against living with the world's values. The world is the world system. The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. Overall, God controls him. 
But it's the way people think and act without any reference to God or his word. It's called in the Bible the world system. It's hostile to God. It's against God. It encourages people just gratifying themselves and putting their will above everyone else. So in our world today, there's a system that's against us. It's against God. Many years ago, uh, in our schools in America, what did we do? We took God out of our school system. Well, who did that? The world system did. By the way, did that help us or hurt us? You already know that. Uh, what is the world system financially here in the United States today? What do you think it is? Is it good? Do you think we're really, we're, we're very uh, solid financially here in the United States? No, how did we get there? The world system says this, get more, get more, spend, possessions, power, position, go, go, go. So we what? We just keep adding to our debt. And who owns us today, actually? China owns us. China owns us. How did that happen? Because we operated by the world system. When you walk into Sam's or Costco, you notice when you walk down the first row, what do they have? A TV as big as Jesus. There it is. <laughs> and what happens when you look at that sucker? That would look pretty good in my front room. It's bigger than your front room. What are you talking about? <laughs> but what do we do? We try to find a way to get it. It's the world system. When you go to the movie theater and you watch the movies, this never fails. By the way, let me just say this. This is extra, extra. Satan is a great deceiver. He makes things look good that aren't good. When you go to the movies and you see all this stuff, if you go to those movies, and pretty soon you have to walk out a bunch of them because you can't. There's all kinds of people making all kinds of love and having divorces and separating and affairs and homosexual lesbians and all this stuff. All that's on the screen and it's in our movies, in our TVs, and we're watching it. What's it doing to my mind? It's squeezing me into its way of thinking. Now, if you follow those people that are doing all those things and you look at their life, their life looks like that off the screen. And what are they? Totally miserable. But it's entertainment. You see, we're squeezed into the world's thinking. And we don't even know it. So, turn with me to Book of Mark. Let me show you how it works. It isn't all moral. Sometimes it's just busyness. It's just busyness. We have a society today that, well, mom has to work, dad has to work, three jobs, all kinds of stuff. We have to have the latest this, that, and the other. And pretty soon the kids kind of just fend for themselves. Well, how did that happen? That's the world system. Mark chapter 4 in your Bibles. And by the way, why do we have Bibles? So you can turn to it. The only thing that's going to change you is the Word of God. So if you're sitting there this morning without a Bible, look on with somebody. You say, well, I regret not asking for one. Too late. Look on with somebody. Now, Mark chapter 4. Let me give you this sequence quickly. This is a whole parable. Don't have time today to explain all of it. It's going to be a little word that the seed is sown. There's a seed that goes into the ground. The seed is the Word of God. It's living. And the ground is a person's heart. And there's four different kinds of hearts that it goes into. I'm just going to talk about two of them. So the Word of God goes into a person's heart. They believe God. They're excited about what's happening in their life. Look down at verse 18. Like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the Word. So the person hears the Word of God and they're excited about it. But watch this. Now, look at me just for a second. When the Word goes in, it's going to make it productive. 
a word grows. It's going to be fruitful. There's going to be good stuff coming because God's word is alive. But watch what happens. When this person hears the word of God, verse 19, the worries of this life. That's the world system. The deceitfulness of well. He who dies with the most toys wins. No, that's wrong. Get more, it'll bring you happiness. No, that's wrong. But that's the world's system. And the desire for other things. More is better. Come in and choke the word. Notice the last three words. Making it unfruitful. So living with the world's values will destroy us going forward in our life. It will make us unfruitful. We're so busy with the things of the world. Not bad things. Just with the things of the world. We're so busy. We have no time for God. And we become unfruitful. Now look at verse 20. It's the opposite. Watch. Others like seeing sown on good soil. They hear the word. They accept it. They produce a crop. Notice, 30, 60, even 100 times of what was sown. So what does that mean? It simply means that I can defeat that world system. How do I do it? Let me give you Romans 12. Let me read it to you. Listen. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So I have a system today. We live in it every day. Our TV, our computers, our everything, our whole world system, run by, run by Satan. And the whole thing is to get us possessions, position, power, pleasure. That's where life is. If you don't have those, you're not happy. And we just want to add more and more and more. I use another suitcase today as a simplicity. It says this. What God wants to say is, his word, I have to be renewed in his word. The world says more brings happiness. It brings satisfaction. What does God's word say? God says this, life does not consist in more stuff. It's just the opposite. Well, I don't believe that. It's true. So, how should I travel in life? Light. That's why this is here. Light. Doesn't mean I can't have nice things. But pretty soon, when I die, how much of this am I going to leave? All of it. And by the way, it's a lot easier to travel light. Because you can be flexible, you can move quick. Now, the only one that wins if you travel heavy is the airlines. Am I right? I mean, you want to charge me how much? That's more than my ticket. That's the only way. So God says, this is in the Bible. Take one piece of luggage and travel light. Just be aware that the world, the Phillips translation says this, the world wants to squeeze me into its mold. So I think like the world. Why do you think we have a, a garage with two cars? One of them can't fit in the garage because it's too tall. But everybody has to have an SUV. Now, if you have one and you leave, just bow your head as you drive out of the parking lot. <laughs> My wife has mine at home, so I didn't bring it today for a reason. 
But I'm just trying to say to you, it's, we don't realize we're being squeezed into, into that mold. Now, the flesh. First enemy is the world. The second is my flesh. Well, it's the flesh. That's you. <laughs> you. You see, once you were saved, your spirit was saved. But your old flesh, the old man, the person's there, it's still there. Our old sinful nature wants to be gratified. So here's what you want to write. We strain forward against becoming spiritually contented and stagnant. Man, when God says, do this... Often I'll respond to God, no way. God wants us to respond, way. Our human nature wants to rebel instead of obeying. That's my nature. It's in you. It's in me. It wants to be gratified and it wants to just accomplish what Satan wants. But God says, no, 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 you have to battle that old you and you. You just have to battle that flesh. So it's a battle. Now, I want you to turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 5, New Testament, almost the way to the end of the Bibles. Hebrews chapter 5. Now, let me ask you a question, another seal a moment. Are you satisfied with your spiritual life? As you look at your life, you think you're being productive? Do you think you're being useful? Do you think you're growing? If you would categorize your spiritual life, when you became and accepted Jesus Christ, everybody starts spiritually as a baby, and then we grow. Would you call yourself today a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 50-year-old? Or would you still call yourself a baby? Well, Paul is going to write to this church, Jewish people, and he's going to say some really tough things. But it's good for us. You see, if you and I think we've arrived, you have to realize that Paul says, no, I haven't arrived. I'm not satisfied. The enemy to spiritual growth is contentment. I remember many years ago teaching in Exodus. The title of the teaching was Saved, Satisfied, and Stuck. So Paul has to write to a church that's stuck. They're stagnant. They count on their religious attendance and all the rest of the stuff to equal growth. It doesn't equal growth. The truth is, as we read this, is a huge problem in our world today, in our churches. Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse... 11. Paul says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain. He's talking to Christians because you are slow to learn. How about that putting it right up front? What does it mean to be slow to learn? There was a dullness of hearing. They heard, but they really had no interest in the word. So Paul says, You hear the word of God, but there's no real interest in it. It goes in one ear and what? Out the other. Verse 12. In fact, though, by this time, we'll come back to that in a moment, you ought to be teachers. You need someone else to teach you the elemental truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. You see, anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, he's writing to adults, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, about growing, about being more mature, about being more like Christ, about having more fruit. But solid food is for the mature. Well, how'd they get mature? Who by constant use, 
This is huge. They've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Look back in verse 12. By this time. Remember, we studied in our last series three important keys. God, people, and the use of our time. Paul writes to these people and he says this. Hey, you're contented. You're stagnant. You lack spiritual maturity. You were a baby Christian. You're still a baby Christian. After all these years, you haven't grown. You haven't matured. It's because you don't want to grow. You have no real desire to be useful to God. In fact, you're wasting your time. And because of that, look at verse 14. You can't distinguish between what is good and what is evil. You see, their hunger and desire for the word of God was fading. They were unreceptive to correction and exhortation. And because of this, you understand this principle. We study the word of God because this Bible tells us how to do life right. So if I don't really have much desire for it, if I just want the superficial, the few little keys, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, thank you very much. If I never learn the other principles, I can't do life right. And that means in my marriage and with my kids and at work. And not only that, notice, you can't distinguish between good. Notice what it says. Look what it says in that verse. Good and what? Good and evil. A baby can't distinguish between good and evil. Puts his hand right on the fire. (laughs) But here's a sign of maturity. Let's see how mature you are. A mature believer can distinguish between good and best. See, I already know what's evil. As I mature in my life, I've discovered this. I don't want just good things in my life. People will email me. Pastor Mark, can I do this? Is it a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. I email them back and say this. It's a good thing. You can do it. But is it the best thing? That only comes with maturity. I want to do the best thing. Because that is the best use of my time. So ask yourself this morning, as Paul's going through this, where are you? Here's a great thing, and, and I'm not trying to step on any toes. I'm sure I am, but that's okay. Baby Christians think this. This church is here for me. What have you done to please me lately? This church is not here for you. We sang it today. We're here for God. Sorry. We're not here for you. We are here for you. I lay my life down for you. All the pastors do. We are here for you. But ultimately, I'm here for God. And when you become mature, you don't walk in saying, what can they do for me? You walk in saying, when I get plugged in, how can I be useful to God? That's a mature statement. Today, Pastor Mark taught us that the goal of becoming a Christ follower is not to obtain fire insurance, but to become a productive member of Christ's body. We were reminded not to become complacent spiritually, but to strive to move forward in our relationship with Jesus. We need to learn to hear God through reading His Word, letting it change our heart. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up the teaching, Straining Forward Into My Future. We will be told why it's important for us to accept responsibility for our own spiritual growth rather than depending on our church leadership. We'll also be challenged to acquire a godly perspective on our lives and not be negative and pessimistic in our outlook on life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving